0: We've got some orders of business to get to. Austin, would you like to reclaim your rightful place at the throne of this podcast?
1: Oh, I would love to. I'm good. I can breathe now. Um, my pulse oximeter rate's up to 99. I am all the way back today. Nice. So. I should
0: find out my pulse oximeter count.
1: <sighs> it's, it's fine.
0: Um, <laughs> Is it over 9,000? Can it be over 9,000?
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome back. I am back in my my role at the top of this podcast, doing the <laughs> intro. Uh, it is called the DI Scoreboard with Shavanch Ahuja and Austin Hansen. Uh, debatable whose name goes first. Just kidding. You heard his name, Shavanch. How are we doing today? You're back. Uh, just like my ability is uh, to do the intro.
0: Gotta shake off the rust, but... but. I'm, I'm very happy to be hearing you. I, I took over for a couple of weeks there doing the, doing the launch, as it were, but I'm, I'm sure everyone's going to be happy. I'm certainly happy to hear your voice back at the top.
1: If we uh, are being real here, without Shabanch, this podcast doesn't happen because he uh, does all the hard work, like editing and, it's, know, it's still,
0: It still happens. It just doesn't get posted. So it's just you and Robert talking to each other for an hour.
1: We're just going to post a raw uh, audio file to SoundCloud. Um, <laughs> speaking of Robert Reed he joins us again this week Robert how we doing you got big wrestling meet this weekend basketball games busy guy
2: oh yeah we got all sorts of stuff going on and I'll compliment you on your intro you didn't need a preseason game or anything you just went right into it and you know back to normal
1: all the way back we're back into the routine we are breaking routine a little bit in that we have a new guest first appearance on the pod we got di tv sports reporter cole kretzfield how we doing cole
3: oh, i'm doing great Austin. thanks for having me on the pod
1: of course we are glad to get your perspective uh as much as possible i like to bring people like robert and cole onto this podcast they can provide you know actual intelligent perspective instead of uh whatever it is that spews out of my mouth and and yet
0: and yet austin and i are the ones who get to say we have a podcast
1: (sighs) listen it's it's (laughs) it's the uh yeah you know it's fine
2: intelligent perspective is a lot for me to have to live up to
1: yeah i
3: i I don't know about me having intelligence perspective Robert, maybe but
2: (laughs) don't group me in
3: there
0: before we go (laughs) any further i'd like to point out uh, a continuation from last week I was seven points off on my prediction For the uh, college football uh, championship Just wanted to point that out there
2: I, I made the, the foolish assumption That we were maybe going to get a close game I was <laughs> correct in the high scoring part But yikes Ohio State um,
1: you
2: know, it, it was not a close game
1: People are asking Gosh, who surrendered more points Or who scored more points Against Ohio State than Alabama The last time that happened It was Iowa, 55 points in 2017. Fun fact, uh, I believe it's Big Ten stats and info and my brain. Uh, You can credit with that stat. Um, Let's dive right into that national championship game because uh, Ohio State brought back Big Ten football just to get clobbered in the national title game, apparently. Robert is our football guy, resident football guy, I'll let Tim take the lead on this and give us the intelligent perspective we were talking about earlier.
2: Well, I guess the the big storyline, have we ever seen a half from a receiver and high-level college football that we saw from Devonta Smith in the first half? It was almost like the Simpsons stop, stop, he's dead already when they kept throwing it deep <laughs> to Smith toward the end of the first half. That's how I was kind of thinking. You know, he had 10-plus catches, 200-plus yards, three touchdowns in the first half. Really disappointed we didn't get to see what his full stat line would have looked like if he had played in the second half because he, I believe, dislocated a finger and they decided not to put him back in. And they really didn't need to because, believe it or not, Alabama also has uh, several other capable receivers on the outside. So that didn't really slow him down too much. But Mm -hmm. no, I mean, I I saw several different stories after the game. Um, this season, maybe cementing Smith is one of the best college receivers of all time. And I think that's a fun discussion to have. But I think the, the broader thing to analyze about this game, uh, obviously, it's Nick Saban's seventh national championship as a head coach at the college level, which is unbelievable. Um, he's the Bill Belichick equivalent of college football. It, it's so interesting to see how he's shifted and how he's winning these championships early in his Alabama tenure winning with a dominant defense and, you know, a good offense, but not one of the elites in college football. And now he's winning with kind of flipped. He's got a solid defense by no means. Is it one of the better he's had at Alabama, but he's got one of the best college football offenses of all time. So it's really interesting to see that evolve, especially from Saban, who's defensive guru, who several years back kind of criticized that way of playing football a little bit, but now is fully adapted to having a high powered offense. So, Plenty of storylines. I, I, like I said earlier, I wish it would have been a little bit closer of a game, but I, I don't know who. What do you guys think? Who would have given Bama a better game in the championship game? Because Florida was really the only team that it was even close in the fourth quarter this year. Cincinnati. It's hard. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not going to open that can. Coastal
3: Carolina, man. The Chanticleers would have. On to the upset.
1: I don't know. They lost to Liberty in their bowl game. Um,
3: <laughs> Liberty would upset Alabama. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <sighs> I
1: just, huh. I, I, uh, I don't know who would have given them a better game. Clemson probably not. Notre Dame probably not. Definitely not. Iowa. <laughs> 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 they got hot there at the end of the year. <laughs> Northwestern. Uh, yeah. Fitzgerald. The real Big Ten champions, Indiana. Um, I, I don't know. Remains to be seen, but what is conceivable is the Bears trading for Deshaun Watson. Just kidding. That's just a
0: transition to- I missed.
1: Just kidding, everybody. Just kidding. <laughs> I was waiting
2: to see where that was going to go. Yeah.
1: Do we? I was building uh, suspense there. But uh, anyone want to want to weigh in on the state of the Chicago Bears? They uh, are obviously going to be moving on from Mitch Trubisky. The defense will still be there, and I don't know how good they'll be. Chuck Pagano retired. Um, They don't really have a draft pick to get a quarterback, but they're going to be looking for one. Matt Stafford's a free agent. What do we see these next couple months looking like for the Chicago football team?
2: As we're recording this on Wednesday evening, this morning when the Bears kind of had their season-closing press conference with uh, front office and ownership leadership and everything i was you know had alerts on from different bears beat reporters on twitter and i just couldn't believe how disappointing it was not even the fact that they're bringing pace and Nagy back for another season each just some of the explanations they gave reporters kept asking well what from this season gave you hope that next season will be better why would you want to bring this core back after a second really disappointing year um and i i know that like they went 8 and 8 two seasons ago they went 8 and 9 after the playoff loss um this season and but the potential there especially after the two, 12 and 4 season 2 in 2018 could have been so much more from that but my, back to my point Ryan i don't remember who it was Austin you may weigh in on this but they pointed to the fact that the uh the team stayed together during the six game losing streak. And if that's the best explanation you can give for the second year in a row that during a losing streak, the team stayed together, I I, I don't know. And we, we talked about this before we started recording about how talking about the organization. Well, aside from the wins and losses, this is a model franchise. Is it? And like, you can't set aside the wins and losses, but even other than that, we're not talking about the George Hallis Bears here. We're talking about a very dysfunctional organization that's been a shell of itself for decades now. Um, it, it's unbelievable, unbelievable to me that Ryan Pace is going to get his fourth attempt to pick the Bears quarterback, which good luck, because that's, that's never happening. Um, we're just going to get another uh, – Mike Glennon Nick Foles Mitch Trubisky type but uh yeah that, I'll, I'll move on Austin what as a fellow Bears fan what are your uh your thoughts right now
1: so it was uh Bears chairman George McCaskey and President Ted Phillips that uh said things like if you set aside the uh wins and losses we're actually a pretty good organization <laughs> um and basically my take on that is if you're a professional football team then uh, your sole purpose for existing is to make money and to win. And if your quarterback isn't good and you're not winning games, it's harder to make money. So if it's you're not making money and you're not winning games, then ultimately you're failing as an organization. Um, the reason the NFL is different, right? Because there's things like revenue sharing and stuff like this, but this is a type of business that like in a regular setting, like just if you isolate them and say they're like, just a tech company or something without league support, the bears would be trending, you know, in a downward direction. This is a business that you like could forecast. Wow. If things keep going in this direction, they're going to go out of business. Like trying to pick a quarterback is like trying to pick the CEO of your organization. Right. And they have not picked one. I mean, I, I reflect back on all the years of bears football that I've watched and that my dad's watching that his dad's watched. We haven't seen a good quarterback once the best quarterback in franchise history is Sid Luckman In a hundred over a hundred years of existence. The bears couldn't find a quarterback. If I'm Ryan Pace, I am trading my kidney and Khalil Mack and all the draft capital and everything we have for Deshaun Watson or somebody, because you don't have a draft pick to get a guy. Um, and really, quarterback is the missing piece for this team. David Montgomery came on at the end of the year, so the run game is going to be okay. You can, you know, rebuild the offensive line to a certain extent in free agency in the draft. Um, but finding that quarterback has always been a challenge for the Bears. And I just wish for once in my life I could really have a quarterback that I could hang my hat on. Like they have the ball down four with two minutes to go, they need a touchdown. That guy can do it, but I, I haven't seen it yet. So and,
2: and to weigh in on the Chuck Pagano situation, the defensive coordinator for the Bears for two years who um, opted to retire, it was kind of speculated that he was going to get fired had he not retired. But on one hand, yes. When Fangio left, the, as a Bears writer pointed out, the Bears defense dropped from a historic level in 2018 to being great in 2019 and then, just kind of good this year, above average. Um, so there was a drop off under Pagano, but in no way should he be the scapegoat of like, okay, we made this coaching change, so that things are going to be different next year. We all know which side of the ball to blame things on um, as Bears fans. And even if the they do try to make assistant coaching changes, like what top tier coordinator candidate is going to want to go into a lame duck situation where? Nagy could very well be fired next year. Uh, it's they're probably going to promote from within, at least at defensive coordinator. So I don't know. Along with some of the points that Austin said, I just don't know keeping this core together. Um, what's going to drastically change between this year and next season?
1: The offense has to score three times per game, generally. Like Bears defense held the Saints for the most part to 21 points. And when they went up fourteen to three or whatever it was, I was like, "That deficit's insurmountable. The game is over." <laughs> it was, you know, eleven points, and I'm like, "Nope, throwing the towel. The Bears cannot score eleven points. That's awful." Um, I I don't know. It's just hard to watch that offense. How? Huh. <sighs> I. Uh, and and part of it is a coaching failure, right? Like, because they didn't scheme what Mitchell Trubisky was good at, what very little he's good at. They did not scheme for that. They just tried to run the uh, Matt Nagy, Bill Lazor system. And uh, that that doesn't work even with Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky. So uh, I, I, I'd be more optimistic if I was a Bengals fan right now, um, even yeah. though they had six less wins or whatever the number is.
0: I'm very optimistic. I'll just say that much like you guys, you guys are a playoff team and yet somehow the Bengals are in a better situation. Um, and I think part of it goes back to say what you want about average to slightly above average quarterbacks, but they're incredibly valuable. And I'm talking about both Carson Palmer and Andy Dalton. Um, you can make the playoffs. You can have really good teams. You can win the division with slightly above average quarterbacks. And now we have Joe Burrow, Um who I think is better than both the prior two. Um, Yeah, a very unfortunate injury. We have yet to see how he's going to react to that and how he's going to play after that. But this is weirdly a team that can make it work with what they have on the roster. Um, Shoring up the offensive line is priority number one, just making sure that injuries like that don't happen again, making sure guys like Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard can get free when they need to so that's priority number one and priority number two is going to be the middle of that defense i think they have a really good young secondary i think they have a rebuilding defensive line but the linebacker core is really killing the bengals um overall i would agree with you austin i'm i'm not really terribly upset with the bengals decision to keep zach taylor um he was thrown in a very uncomfortable situation uh, and if there's one thing we know about Bengals management is that they don't get rid of coaches quickly. So, so I'm, 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 actually looking forward to next season with the Bengals and seeing what they can do in the draft. And
2: one, one last NFL point for me, since we've got both bears and Bengals fans on this, uh, on this podcast, I saw, I came across this tweet. There have been 12 lead football executives in the NFL who have been in their position since 2015 or longer. All right. 12 of them. Mm-hmm. only two of that group have never won a playoff game and that's the bears ryan pace and the bengals mike brown who also owns the team yep <laughs> so we
0: got that going for us bengals still have they always had but now it's even made we even worse the longest playoff win drought in the nfl uh just hit 30 years last week uh last week it was the 30-year anniversary of their last playoff win so it's a, fun, it's a fun time, but things are looking up, so I'm, I'm, I'm not terribly upset with them.
3: Yeah, I think um, for the Bears and that quarterback problem, I mean, I think the obvious choice is to go for Deshaun Watson. I mean, he had – I mean, it's pretty clear Mitch Trubisky is just – it's not going to pan out. And I think uh, Deshaun Watson, I mean, he had he had a pretty good year this year. He threw for a lot of yards, and he's been pretty open that he does not get along with the way they run things down there in Houston, and, I mean, and it shows. I mean, they, they had an inc- – I mean, they have an incredible team of J.J. Watt, um, Davey Johnson, and Deshaun Watson, and they only won, like, four games this year, which is, you know, ridiculous. But other than that, I would say if you're the Bears, I would try – and I don't know how – like, if they would have enough to make this possible, but I would try and trade, trade up and maybe try and get uh, Zach Wilson out of BYU – because I think he's a dark horse candidate for a, as a good quarterback in this draft. But other than that, those are the only two options I see for the Bears.
0: Bears do not have nearly enough to go for Deshaun Watson. And if I'm Deshaun Watson, I'm staying the hell away from Chicago, if I'm being honest. Um, I think there's plenty of other situations with a little bit more upside in terms of both coaching and just team build.
1: Hey, there's a couple things that are certain in life. Death. Taxes and superstars wanting to get out of professional franchises in Houston. James <laughs> Harden, DeAndre Hopkins, Andre Johnson, Deshaun Watson. Now, all all the same. Um, but the I, same. I, it'd be tough for Ryan Pace to swallow his pride with that and be like, you know what? I drafted Mitch ahead of this guy. Now I'm going to give up everything we have to trade for him. Um,
0: if I'm so Deshaun Watson, if I'm Deshaun Watson, and I have to hear an offer from one of those teams, I'm going up to Detroit. I'm just saying that right now. I think they're. I think their outlooks a lot brighter than Chicago. So, hell, even Minnesota. If they're done with Kirk Cousins, honestly, both those NFC North teams over Chicago.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you look at the Bears, you're like maybe we're one piece away. But if the coaching staff's going to stay, and you saw how bad they were, then yeah, you probably want to steer clear too. Um, and they have no before-
0: capital. They have nothing to offer. They Khalil gave everything. Mack. They gave everything and their mother to get Khalil Mack, and they're like, okay, now we can rush the passer. Um, who's going to be our passer? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Money, Mitch. <sighs> uh, before we move on from uh, football, do we do we want to talk about the uh, divisional round of the playoffs this weekend, or do we want to uh, move on, hit the skip in the queue? Because I know we're running a little long. I just want to bring up one thing. All right, let's let's talk about it.
0: This this the Steelers suck. All right, and um, that was my one thing. <laughs> we, can, we can move on.
1: There's one <laughs> franchise that has a worse outlook than the than the Bears. It's the Steelers because you've got a stacked roster. Hard to tell how you can improve that roster. I don't. And you still got housed by Cleveland.
0: Don't get me wrong. I was not. I'm not complaining in any in any fashion. But. I don't understand how you can have that talented of a defensive line, that experienced of a secondary and just absolute monsters and linebacker and let like Nick Chubb run on you. <laughs> I know Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunter are a phenomenal duo, but still they have way too many pieces on their defense for it to be 28-zip at the first quarter.
1: Yeah, their offense has a lot of weapons at receiver too. James Conner is a good piece at running back. Their offensive line is solid. I mean, what is, is James Conner a piece good piece at running back? I thought he was, but I, uh, apparently I not.
0: I th- I thought he was fine when he started his career, but he's really taken a, a tumble. And I don't, I don't, I think he he was injured last year. I don't think he's looked the same the same since he's had the extended leave.
1: I think part of it with James Conner also is like with most running backs uh, in the NFL and in college, uh, they just run you down for about five years. Your legs have no juice left. Then you're like, can I get a second contract? And they're like, no. no.
0: Well, that's changed. That's changed a little bit because Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, uh, Joe Mixon all got second contracts. So it's 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 coming back in their favor. Those guys are a little bit more durable. At least they look more durable. But yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. Running backs are running backs should have a different type of rookie contract once they're drafted. You know, something's a little bit shorter to get them. Their value, what they're really worth.
1: It just seems like whenever they sign that big second contract, they turn into Todd Gurley, um, <laughs> you know, or or someone like that. They get the big contract, and then their legs are out of gas, and there's nothing left in the tank. Le'Veon Bell, same deal. Um, granted, he was with the Jets, but
0: I cannot imagine Derrick Henry running out of gas, though.
1: Oh no, I don't think he will. He's a monster, but you never know. That's it's true. hard. It's hard to predict. That's why. Uh, Owners are hesitant to pay. Uh, team owners are hesitant to pay running backs. Um, I, I, I'm I pro running back, but still, it's hard.
0: I am. I let the record show I am in favor of running back.
1: <laughs> I am in favor of having running backs. Um, I don't like the cardinal system where you pass 58 times a game and run 12. But, hey, <laughs> you have to do what you have to do to win, win ball games, or in their case, uh, go seven and nine
0: and this on the playoffs to Mr. Trubisky. Yeah, you need to move on, dude. We're
1: <laughs> Kelsey is not here to, to keep us uh on task. Kelsey,
0: we, Kelsey
2: we've been going for 2 hours in your absence.
0: <laughs> I'm going to send Kelsey a like a 90 minute
1: file tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, well actually well, I guess we're it's up to this. us so yeah,
0: oh I'm so behind the curtain it's Kelsey's birthday this week.
1: People so are asking to Can we go ninety minutes? Oh, that's true. I'm uploading this, so it doesn't matter. Listen, make it
0: forty-one minutes.
1: You should make it forty-one minutes, just just to be like, hey, and then I'll click play a thousand times. Be like, listen, our long episodes get more clicks. (laughs) This is staying. (laughs) No, edit that out. (laughs) All
0: right, let's um, let's move to one of the other. Do you want to just do one of the next two topics? Because we talked a yeah. long time on the NFL. <laughs> Let's talk yeah. about women's ball.
1: Yeah, we can we can talk about that. We can talk about uh, the 42-game win streak at home for Iowa women's basketball is over. Uh, Caitlin Clark had a look for three to win the game in overtime. Good look, thought she could have made that shot, didn't fall. Ohio State's seven and zero now, p- perhaps one of the best women's basketball teams in the country. And so I just kind of wanted to ask all of you what you, what you kind of feel uh, is the new expectation. Cause we were talking about, well, maybe they should be ranked. They have Caitlin Clark. They have all this offensive prowess. They had two opportunities to beat ranked teams their last two games they're Oh and two. Now is, is this now just a season where it's maybe they make the NCAA tournament and their ceiling is they make a run there um, a surprise run. I mean, we were thinking maybe Big Ten Championship, stuff like that, but now it's probably time to rein back those expectations, I would imagine, because uh, this team doesn't uh, – they don't play the defense, as the kids say.
2: <laughs> like, in, in no way would I consider Iowa, like, one of the favorites for the Big Ten regular season crown right now. But, like, as you said, they lost to two ranked teams, one of them being on the road, one of them being – at home in overtime against, again, like you said, an Ohio State team that's going to jump up in the polls and be one of the best teams in the country. So I was right there in terms of being competitive with the top-tier teams in the conference. This is a setback for their hopes of actually getting ranked and climbing the standings a little bit. But I I do think there is still potential for this Iowa team to be in that top-ish tier, um, fighting for at least, a buy in the Big Ten tournament, if if there is a Big Ten tournament, who knows? Um, but I don't think it's too late by any means. Uh, it's it's still really early, in fact, for this Iowa team to bounce back and climb the standings a little bit. Yeah,
3: I mean, I, yeah, this Iowa team. I mean, they're I'm not going to deny they're very talented. I mean, I'd say if I had to put like a, on a number on it, I'd say they're in that like kind of twenty five to thirty best teams in the country range, like kind of on the outside looking in. For this Iowa team, it's just a case of like. Getting older, I mean, their, their best player, Caitlin Clark, while very talented, and I mean everybody expected that, she's like the fifth best, fifth highest recruit in the country. I mean, she is just a French freshman, so it'll take time for her to really hone her skill. But, I mean, I think one of the problems with this Iowa teams that I've seen is that um, it's just closing stuff down the stretch. Like, for instance, I was at the um, Rutgers game on New Year's Eve, and in that game, they went up, I believe, at the beginning of the second – uh, quarter they went up by about 20 points and by the end of the second quarter they were tied and I just and I think they only ended up winning that game by four I think that's one uh, key for the this women's team
1: I think that complacency issue you bring up is kind of important right today they were up 14 points over Ohio State and they lost you mentioned they were up 20 by Rutgers and the game was tied by the end of the second quarter Um, this team feels like they don't keep their foot on the gas, um, at all times, uh, especially on the defensive end of the floor. I saw a lot of that today when they were up 14, you know, they wouldn't stop the basketball. You talk so much on the defensive end and in transition about stopping the basketball, making them pass or shoot, Iowa just lets them drive and then decides to defend once the offensive player enters the painted area. You have to start playing defense at least at half court or the three-point line. Um, You can't just start playing defense as soon as they uh, get some penetration off the dribble. Um, And I think that's something Lisa Bluter will stretch um, and stress over the next couple weeks um, as they kind of prepare to make their run in the Big Ten tournament stuff.
0: Yeah, Um, you you guys hit the nail on the head. Um, I think Cole's absolutely right. They're right outside that top twenty-five range, which is where they're being—you know—they're receiving votes. But I don't think that they're up there quite yet, especially with the way that they've faltered a little bit with the with the ranked teams that they've played. Yeah, no, Austin, you're one hundred percent right. Because if you look at the game that they looked at uh, looked the best in recently, it was at a road win uh, at Illinois. Illinois has not scored a lot of points all season. They're averaging. Less than 60 points a game, it looks like. They had one outing where they scored 72 against Nebraska and still lost. No, it's, and that was the game where Iowa put up over 100. Their defensive numbers look better because Illinois was so inept at scoring. And so they're really able to control the possession because Illinois is having to go for a lot of these big shots, having to score, uh, go for shots with a lot of time left on the shot clock. Um, when you play, when you start to play ranked teams like Ohio State, and they just lost the prior game against Northwestern, teams that know how to control the time of possession um, and know where to attack you from. They're really decisive about their offensive attack. That's where Iowa seems to really break down. I don't know if it's the experience on the roster, just the players being a lot younger, um, but on offense, no one has any complaints, especially with Caitlin Clark, uh, Monica Zanano really attacking the inside the pain, but defense is where that team's really got to bring it together. And I think it starts just with experience.
1: Yeah. I I think I, I read, um, what our, one of our sports reporters, our women's basketball reporter, Chloe Peterson, wrote um, after the Northwestern game and after now the Ohio State game, um, Lisa Bluter's pretty much said the same stuff. Um, you know, we need, we need to play defense. Um, we can't win games 90 to 100 all the time. Um, at some point, you have to buckle down and, and defend, and that's really going to help you be in a comfortable position at the end of games. Um, if you need to get a stop on defense late, you can, you know, you need to be able to be comfortable that you can get that right now. They're not, they're not comfortable basically defensively. Um, and think, you know, they're a young team pressure, um, from opposing defenses and offenses, uh, really bothersome. And they need to, uh, iron up essentially at this point, I think is kind of their message. We can, we can talk quick about wrestling. Obviously, um, Robert and I covered the wrestling team pretty much all year. Last year, Robert will be there with, uh, Isaac Goffin, our assistant sports editor on Friday night And me, Iowa, Nebraska, and Chavon will be uh, shooting the game, providing excellent photos for us.
0: And yeah, well, just photos. <laughs>
1: um, it looks like, uh, Max Miran's going to bump up to 149 pounds and Jay mm-hmm. Nyerman will wrestle at 141. So that mystery is kind of taken care of. Um, and the other thing, I guess, the missing piece for me is what's going to happen at 184. Obviously, everyone thinks it's Abasad, but at the, you know, at the uh, Hawkeye Wrestling Club Showdown Open, uh, Nelson Brands beat Abasad by a tech fall and basically dominated him. So, I guess the question is, that's the only question mark left for me in terms of that lineup and all of its firepower.
2: Yeah, and I mean in the probable lineups ahead of um, Friday's meet against Nebraska at Carver Hawkeye Arena, Nelson Brands is the only guy listed at 184, which is interesting. Um, so I don't know if you know maybe they give Brands the the first match, and we see Assad next time or something like that. I know they like, toyed around with the with that weight spot last year, um, so. The, the questions at 184 are certainly going to continue to linger into the early part of this season, especially depending on how Brands fares in uh, his opener against uh, a quality opponent in Ben's from Nebraska. But um, yeah, that might be the most intriguing part of uh, this duel. I mean, Nebraska's the number six team in the nation, and I'm, and kind of everyone else is just kind of like, yeah, no problem there. Be done uh, pretty quickly, which which is weird. Like top six showdown, but it's no problem for Iowa, who you know is the once again the odds-on favorite to win uh, the Big Ten and the national championship because Iowa uh, and Tom Brands is eleven and zero against Nebraska. So we'll see if they can if he can uh, get to twelve and zero on Friday.
1: I pretty much fully expect Iowa wrestling to blitz through the entire season. Yep, um, none of these. Uh, not triangular meets they'll blitz through those they'll blitz through duels big tens they'll do the same thing they did last year Blitz through that and even at nationals like to a certain extent i was going to overwhelm everyone in terms of team points um, when you have multiple guys that are going to be number one seeds at their weight um, it's it's really tough to make a case for anyone else now granted there will be some guys coming back for other schools uh, um, from olympic right. and things like that but I don't see it. Even Penn State, with some firepower they've got coming back off of Olympic redshirts, I don't see it. Um, I I think Iowa could could win every meet by it's, more than thirty.
2: <laughs> it's just absurd that you know Iowa's got nine All-Americans coming back, and then you had Jay Ironman to that uh that tenth <laughs> spot. Oh, it, it's just kind of unfair, and you know you've got the best wrestler and in college and Spencer Lee. And like you said, other top guys across the lineup. So yeah, a lot of expectations for this Iowa squad and, you know, there should be, because again, they should, they're definitely the front runner and probably should win a national championship this season, which they would have done last season. If, uh, if it hadn't been canceled, as Spencer Lee said, the pandemic was apparently the only thing that could stop Iowa wrestling from winning a national championship. So hopefully they can uh, compete for that this season.
0: I'm really intrigued. I still agree with you, Austin. I think they're going to cruise past, honestly, the entire season all the way up until St. Louis. Um, the I'm really intrigued by the triangle meet with uh, Michigan and Illinois. Just looking at it matchup by matchup. I still think Iowa's going to win, but I'm curious to see how a lot of those will shake out just by, <clears throat> you know, a lot of it is going to come down to Michigan versus Illinois, <laughs> if, if you think about it. Yeah, no, I think I think the season's gonna be a, a, just a cruise to the finish line. That 149 Pat Lugo hole is gonna be interesting to see Max Mirian sort of after being at 141 for so long, seeing him move up a little bit. Um, but you're getting Ironman in that spot, so as you said, a lot of a lot of good talent still there. I'm curious to see how Cassiope is gonna do. It's going to be an interesting year, I, I don't think. <laughs> you said it, Robert. There was a pandemic this past year that stopped them. I don't think there's anything that can stop them this year,
2: but I'm going to knock on wood. <laughs> uh, here's hope and not. Hopefully nothing <laughs> tops uh, what, we, uh, what we've seen.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think you guys are right. The only thing that can stop Iowa wrestling this year is coronavirus. Um, I, I don't know if there's anything else, and I won't even tread lightly in saying this. Robert said Spencer Lee is the best wrestler in college right now. Uh, Spencer Lee might be the best wrestler in the world. Uh, He couldn't compete at the Olympics in Tokyo because they were canceled. If they are, you know, held as scheduled in 2021, I I could see this being a national championship and Olympic gold medal year for uh, Spencer Lee. All right. Do we want to uh, wrap up or do we want to Touch on anything else? I know we're running pretty far over time.
0: Let's wrap, please. I have to. All right,
1: this. we can we can wrap it up, and then uh, Robert and I can uh, wrestle to see who writes the uh, Michigan State thing.
0: <laughs> um, I'm ready to see
2: that.
1: <laughs> I would probably lose. Uh, Robert <laughs> is is he's got more of an athletic uh, resume than I do.
2: I've never wrestled.
1: Neither have I. So <laughs> we're zero for two on that.
2: Yeah. I have been on the mat at the rack after the Big Ten championships ended because John Ross
1: and I were messing around. But the age old question could could Pete Rudin uh, last thirty seconds without getting pinned by special. That was Lee? ten seconds. Ten seconds, sorry.
2: Yeah. Thirty
0: the is answer, a the answer the answer's still no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Even if he ran straight for the out of bounds. No way. <sighs> okay. We can uh, we can wrap it up now. This has been another exciting episode of the DI Scoreboard. I'd like to thank my co host, Siobhan Chahuja, for joining me as always. I'd like to thank thank Robert Reed for joining us as well. We appreciate his perspective as we do on a weekly basis. And uh, last but not least, Cole Crutzfeld, thank you for joining us. Glad to have you. We hope you'll join us again sometime. Hopefully this wasn't a horrifying experience for you.
3: I mean, not completely horrifying. Only I know Austin who.
0: can be a little shocking at first glance, but mm-hmm. you got used to it.
3: Yeah.
1: <sighs> this has been the DI Scoreboard. As always, we are presented by no one. Maybe Walmart now. Walmart Auto. We, we know people at Walmart Auto. <laughs> but until next time. <laughs> Do <been> <laughs> You had your battery changed by Walmart Auto, doesn't that? You, yeah, the guy's know. name
0: was like Terrence or something. He was he was nice. <laughs> so you know Terrence with Walmart Auto. I don't think Terrence is in
2: charge of their sponsorship decision.
3: You never know. Yeah, and hopefully no his name matters. is
2: actually Terrence. <laughs>
0: hey, Big T, how you doing?
1: <laughs> Big T. <tea>. Oh, <sighs> okay. Are we? Uh,
0: Should we wrap up? putting
1: <laughs> a wrap on it. Uh, this has been the DI Scoreboard presented by no one. Yeah. I'm your host, Austin Hansen. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast, and we hope you join us again next week. I've lost all four uh, guests and co-hosts. We're off the rails. Kelsey, we miss you. <laughs> Almost made it through. Oh. Wow. Oh, you
0: know the, the discount was a little a little rough, Austin, but the rest of it was good.
1: Listen, hey, wow! Shout out to Walmart for showing their own thing: most helpful positive review and most helpful negative review.
0: There you go. Hey, you gotta show both sides of the the two coins. Same coin. What is it? You gotta show both sides of the
2: coin. Heads and heads yeah. or tails. Uh, yeah. Heads, heads, or tails. What's <Yeah>. Is Kelsey not joining for this one? No, It is she's her, her birthday
1: tomorrow so she is with her family tonight.
0: Man, Robert had to do the pot on his birthday.
2: <laughs> I know. I'm just <laughs> a different level of commitment. And I didn't even get a cake for it.
3: No, it was just such
2: perfect timing that someone got a cake <laughs> on that podcast episode and it didn't happen to be me. Roughly. On Austin's
0: birthday I will make you a cake, Robert.
2: I suppose
0: that's K. acceptable. <laughs> I was gonna I was, also, you misspelled Q, you put K, which is what in Spanish?
1: <laughs> I did. It's, I forgot a U and an E. I just put <laughs> K. K. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm the sports editor around here, and uh You're
0: not the Spanish editor. That's for damn sure.
1: <laughs> that's right. Oh, hold on.